much because her so beautiful and her the sweetest grandmother I had in my whole life. Well, there you heard it. This is coming from my six-year-old granddaughter who thinks I'm the absolute best there is. <laughs> she doesn't know. And no, I didn't pay her to say these things. So. Yes, I did. <laughs> she said, yes, I did. See, this is what it's like to be uh, with a six-year-old because um, <laughs> they're going to twist things around. They're going to make you laugh. And one of the things that I love about Jordan Marie is that she makes me laugh all the time. She is forever putting a smile on my face and she brings so much joy and laughter to my life. And I'm grateful that God has placed her here. She keeps me on my toes and she's always making me think because she's the thinker and sometimes she asks questions that I'm just not ready for. There are times that we're running and racing through our neighborhood and see she thinks because she's six that I'm going to take it easy on her and just let her win. Yes, there is. No, 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 no. She's yes. got to work for that because if she's going to be competitive and she's going to bring it, I'm going to be competitive and I'm going to bring it. And if she wins, it's going to be because she really won. No, so, I am. I did really won one time. Well, she did. She I can say that most of the time she beats, but it's a close race because, ah. <laughs> because I go hard. Okay. <laughs> but um, it's nothing like being a grandparent. We, we love our kids to pieces, but it's something special. There's such a special relationship really? about being a grandparent that no one could even explain or describe to you. You just have to experience it. Experience it for yourself. You don't know my story. Most stories start at the beginning, then we have a middle, and then there's an ending. However, there are some stories that start at the end and work their way backwards. However, I'm going to start my story at the very beginning. 61 years ago, I was born to a young woman of 20 and a young man of 23. They were my parents. They had another child, my sister, who was three years my junior, or nearly three years my junior. When I was six and a half, my parents split up and we moved in with my maternal grandparents. At that young age, I had no clue what a breakup was all about or what it meant. However, I can vividly remember some of the events that took place that caused my mother to leave my father and to never look back. I asked her at some point what I should call my dad or my father. I asked her if I should call him Mr. Marvin because, you see, that was his name, Marvin. 
My mother told me no, because he was still my father. And that I should continue to call him daddy as I always had. The day that my mother left my father, my grandparents, her parents came to pick us up. You know, I can remember vividly my mother had this black hat that I had placed on my head. And my grandparents helped her, you know, remove the things that she wanted to take with her, you know. Um, and so we moved in with them and we occupied what we call the middle room. We lived with my grandparents up until I was 11 and a half when my mom remarried. But during the course of those five years that we were there, I can remember my grandfather taking us to Druid Hill Park every Sunday, weather permitting. Um, and he sat on his white handkerchief under the tree as my sister and I ran around giggling and having the time of our lives catching lightning bugs. That was one of the highlights each and every summer until we were too old to do that, obviously. But my grandfather enjoyed it, I think, just as much as we did. He just sat there in his crisp white shirt and his dress pants on, just relaxing as we ran around enjoying ourselves. My grandmother was the cook. And, um, you know, um, I remember, you know, the school was almost across the street from where we lived and every day we'd come home for lunch and she'd make homemade french fries. And back then, as far as I was concerned, they were like the best. My grandmother used to take naps and so um, my sister, my two cousins, and I, we used to get into all kinds of mischief. Can you imagine four girls being around the same age, living in the same house? So we'd go up, sneak out of the house, like sneak up to North Avenue. We had no business being there. I can remember a time that um, it snowed and my grandmother was taking one of her famous naps. And so we timed it just right. We put our gear on and we walked up to North Avenue, walked back home, made sure we got home before my grandmother woke up. Soaking wet, of course, but we had had one of the best times ever. You know, we took our things down the basement and hung them up there, hoping that they'd dry before anybody would notice that we had been out of the house. I mean, obviously wet clothes would have been the telltale sign. We never got caught. I remember a time when, you know, again, there were four girls living in a house and we always got into some trouble as I forestated. And this particular day, I can't remember exactly what I had done. But um, I think it was my cousin and I, if I'm not mistaken. So it was time for us to get our weapons because, you know, they didn't play. And so 
I hid under the bed. And one of my cousins was there at the time. He was one of my older cousins. He was, I don't know, a few years or so older, but certainly old enough to assist my grandmother and me getting a whipping. And so I hid under the bed. My grandmother told him to take the mattress off the bed and to block the door because, see, I was a runner. When it was time to get a whipping, you were going to have to catch me because I wasn't just going to stand there. I was going to take off running. And so my cousin, oh, he was more than happy to oblige my grandmother, and he took the mattress off the bed. And he blocked the door. And let's just say I had nowhere to run and nowhere to hide. Now, my paternal grandmother, we'd spend the summers with her and we'd spend Thanksgiving and Christmas with her. And they were like the best holidays ever because all the family would be there. You know, we'd have the kitty table, which I had to sit at for a while. And then we had the adult table. But those holidays were so much fun and I actually missed those days because we don't do those things today. You know, everyone gathering together and making their favorite dishes. My father used to make oyster dressing. It was like the best dressing ever. And of course, like everyone else, we had all sorts of goodies and pies and we laughed and had a good time. Since my parents had split up, my grandmother, I believe, compensated for what my father didn't do or couldn't do because of the life that he um, ultimately, I won't say chose for himself, but the life that he ultimately had. So she wanted to make sure that we were well-rounded and we went to museums and amusement parks and obviously the malls because you know, we had to eat. We didn't do much shopping because my grandmother didn't have a lot of money, but she just wanted to take us out to have the exposure to various things. So we were always up and down the highway, going somewhere, being exposed to something or another, you know, because my grandmother felt as though that was important. And my sister and I, well, I can speak for myself, I always looked forward to those times. My mother remarried when I was 11 and a half, and then, you know, we left my grandparents' home, and my mother started her new life. And she was happy about her new life because... She'd had a difficult time during her first marriage. We um, still, you know, again, spent the time with my grandmother, um, my paternal grandmother, and um, again, those were enjoyable times. My I can remember a time with my maternal grandfather. I don't know. I think I was always stubborn. 
even as a kid, I was just stubborn. And I can remember a time we were watching TV and uh, I was in my grandfather's way. I was obstructing his view so he couldn't see. We were watching Gunsmoke, one of his favorite shows, which ultimately became one of my favorite shows too. We were sitting in the living room watching TV and um, he asked me to move because he couldn't see. For whatever reason, I just didn't feel like moving. And I clearly heard him ask me politely to move because he couldn't see. But I continued to sit there, just blatantly ignored him until he got up. I thought I could outrun him. <laughs> Boy, was that a big mistake. Before I knew it, he caught me, held me in one air, and let's just say, oops, there it was. My grandfather never had any more problems out of me after that. Now, fast forwarding it just a little bit. I remember the first time, I guess, when life just wasn't so happy. Maybe the first time I can recall actually being hurt by someone's words. I was 18 at the time. And um, we had gone to this amusement park and I can't remember if we were headed there or if we were actually returning from the park. I was lying on the shoulder of the guy that I was seeing at the time. I was 18 years old and I remember the two people talking and they said, I wonder what he sees in her. She's not attractive. She wasn't even cute when she was a baby. Those words not only stung, but they hurt like the dickens. Can you just imagine how I felt at that moment hearing two people that should have cared about me share their thoughts about what they really thought about my outer appearance i didn't say anything at the time but i just continued to pretend that i was sleeping sometime later some years had gone by honestly i approached the both of them about it they adamantly denied that it ever took place that i just imagined them saying that well I knew that wasn't true but what could I say if they weren't willing to admit it then obviously I couldn't force them to do so I don't know if it was then that I be started to become depressed or it was then that I started to dislike myself I don't know but I remember not liking myself not believing that I deserved anything good in life, not feeling attractive, not believing that anyone else found me attractive. There was another incident, and this time the person actually said this to my face. They said, I believe that your sister looks better than you do. 
but the other person thinks that you look better than your sister. Who says that to someone? I mean, even if it were true, even if they were your real thoughts, why say that to me? How did they think that was going to make me feel? I mean, if I thought I was hurt before, I was absolutely devastated upon hearing that. In my 20s, I had suicidal thoughts. Didn't think I was worthy of anything. Didn't think I was worthy of anything good. Didn't think I deserved anything good. Didn't believe that I was attractive. I absolutely, absolutely hated myself. I didn't want to live. I thought that if I was gone, who'd miss me? After all, nobody thought anything good about me anyway. So what difference would it really make if I was no longer here on the face of the earth? But I also didn't want to be here because I was so hurt. I was so broken. So if I wasn't here, I wouldn't have to feel the pain, the constant pain, mental anguish that I experienced day in and day out. I began not to even like my own physical features. During that time, I was as skinny as a rail. I weighed a little more than 100 pounds. And no matter how much I ate, I couldn't seem to gain weight to save my life. I remember looking for love in all the wrong places during that dark period of time. I did things that I wasn't proud of, things that I wouldn't have done had I known my self-worth at that time. I remember God placing a woman in my life and she was the one who was instrumental in me actually going to church. And she would try to tell me that I was attractive and even try to, what I looked at that time, sell me on my good points. But obviously I wasn't buying any of it. That was just a very dark period of my life that no one knew about. No one knew that I was depressed because I hid it well. I'm good at hiding things. I'm good at hiding my true feelings. I know how to put the mask on and navigate through life. And you never know what I was experiencing or what I was thinking unless I shared that with you. I guess that's why I became a pretty good actor because you just couldn't there was a time that 
I remember one of my co-workers said to me, Karen, you're always so happy. And I said to her, sometimes it's just an act. She didn't know what I was talking about, obviously. She didn't know what was going on in my head and in my thoughts. She didn't know how I would, on the bus ride home, start to shut down. And then when I got home, I'd pull the blinds down and get in my bed and pray that the Lord would take me in my sleep because I didn't want to be here. Those were my dark secrets that no one knew about. And every night I'd pray that God would take me, you see, because I was too afraid to commit suicide because the flip side of the coin was I was concerned about what people would think. And I didn't want them to think bad things about me. So I just prayed that God would take me. And every morning I woke up and I was still here. And every morning I hated being here. But what I did not know at that time was that God had a purpose for me. He had a plan for me. So while I was foolishly, foolishly asking him to take me, he knew what was up the road ahead, things that I should be doing, lives that I would ultimately touch. I'm sorry, my stomach is grumbling. I haven't eaten breakfast yet. So if you hear that, that's what it is. It's just my tummy. I'll eat in a little bit. At some point, I got married. Not the best choice. I didn't date a lot because I was insecure in who I was. And so, with who I was. And so some of the guys that asked me out, I probably should have said yes to. But of course, I said no. And the guys that I should have said no to were the guys that I said yes to. How backwards was that? But at the time, I didn't see it. Because again, I was broken. I was scared of maybe some of the guys that really had it going on. Perhaps I didn't want to be a disappointment to them. Perhaps I felt like I couldn't measure up or what did I have to really offer them. I couldn't let them into my world. I couldn't let them see the real me the girl who was hurting, the girl who was scared, the girl who didn't know who she really was or what potential she had. So I got married in my 30s. In fact, I was, I believe, 35. Yeah. Um, got tired of waiting. Um, because I think at that point, like I said, I had turned down <laughs> some people, some people, again, I'm so glad I did. Um, because, you know, you look years later and you go, wow, I dodged that bullet. But when 
um, I got married, it was to someone that I um, knew from my childhood. And uh, I think at that time, when he came along, I just was tired of the single life. And so I took the first train smoking. When he told his mother that we were getting married, she and I talked. And she told me, in so many words, that it wasn't a good idea because she knew her son. And uh, she told me that I'd cry many a night if he really hadn't gotten himself together. My mother didn't think it was a great idea, nor did one of my friends who was since deceased think it was a good idea. Obviously, I didn't care what anybody thought at the time. I was going to do it, and I did. The marriage was never good. We had our good moments, but it wasn't a good marriage, and I should have listened. But as the old folks say, a hard head makes a soft behind. At that time, I was still struggling with my insecurities. I hadn't come to my own yet, even at 35. I still didn't like who I was. He was broken too. I thought I could fix him. How can I fix him when I need to help myself? We were married 23 years before we were divorced, but I left him after year 21 because it just wasn't working. Not to say that he was a bad person. I'm not going to say that. This is not about bashing anybody, but he just wasn't the right person for me. During that time, we had no kids together. We ultimately adopted three kids because I couldn't have children. That was another thing that really hurt because that was the one thing that I always desired and I felt that any woman who wanted to be pregnant and to carry a child should be able to do so because I thought that was, and I still do think that's one of God's greatest gifts. It's a blessing to be able to carry a child in your stomach and to feel it growing and to feel the movement and to deliver this child that you've carried generally for nine months. I didn't get the opportunity to, to have kids that way. 
I had two tubal pregnancies and one documented miscarriage, but I do believe that there were others along the way. That hurt. And that certainly didn't help my depression. I would see women, pregnant women, and I would immediately become depressed and wanting to cry because I'd be like, why isn't that me? What have I done? Why can't I become pregnant? Was I cursed? I asked myself. There were women who were not good mothers, who really didn't want to be pregnant, who willingly gave up their children for adoption or who abused them or did various other things. And so I always questioned God as to what was wrong with me? I didn't understand why the one thing that I pretty much wanted most in the world, I couldn't have the traditional way. However, I thank God for my three kids and I would not have traded them for all the tea in China. So even though I didn't become a mother in the way in which I would have loved to have. God still allowed me to become a mother, to raise three kids, to name those three kids, and to call them my children. But as we raise children, sometimes they're going through growing pains and there's that battle of the wills. My son never caused me any problems as a kid. He was always that kid who was on the straight and narrow. He did what he was supposed to do in school. Um, never got into trouble. I never got any phone calls home. But the two girls, woo-hoo. They made me literally almost pull my hair out of my head. They would run away from home. And um, I wouldn't know where they were. You know, I couldn't understand why they would want to run away. I thought as a mother I was doing everything right or what I thought to be the right thing. I mean, we don't nail it every time and we know that because there's no handbook with raising kids. I felt like I loved them because I knew I did and I felt like they knew that I loved them. I did lots of things with them and um, so I couldn't understand why they would want to run away from home because who does that, right? I mean, no matter how I felt as a kid and um, growing up and my mother was certainly strict on us and there were things that we couldn't do and places that we couldn't go. Um, 
my friends often had more leeway than we did. But I never thought about running away from home. I was upset, obviously, about things that I couldn't do. But running away, that never, ever entered my mind. And so, I mean, we got through that, you know, um, through therapy. We had therapy in the home and therapy outside of the home because... As I said, I, I loved my kids, you know, and um, I wanted them to get the help they need, but they were hurting too. They were hurting because they couldn't figure out why their birth parents didn't want them. My oldest daughter, if you mentioned the word adoption, you would have thought that you said a curse word because she couldn't deal with it. My youngest daughter would say she never wanted to find her birth parents. But later I found out that wasn't true. She was just angry. And so I believe a lot of their behaviors came from the fact that they were angry. I don't think that it necessarily had anything to do with me as a parent, but they were hurt too. Those were some really tough years. And I thank God that we got through them. Like I said, through therapy, through much, 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 much prayer. I cried a lot. No one knew it, obviously. You know, um, I cried you know, about the things that were going on, obviously, in my marriage. I cried about my kids. I cried about the fact that I still didn't love myself, you know. Um, in the middle of the night, I'd cry. Sometimes I'd sit at my desk at work and think about the things that were going on in my life, and I'd get teary-eyed, and I'd go in the bathroom to... Um, let the tears flow and then wipe my face and go back out and sit at my desk. You know. But again, no one knew about those things. There were people, women, women can be not nice as we well know, not all of them, but some women. You know, you see them out of the corner of their eyes, or I'd see them out of the corner of their eyes, you know, sometimes like giving me dirty looks or um, looking me up and down. You know, because no matter what I went through during the course of that time, I always carried my outer self well, you know, I always dressed up this outer man no matter how I was feeling on the inside, you know, but... The outer man, you know, always looked neat and put together. And so sometimes I believe people were envious, but they had no idea the battles that I was fighting mentally. They had no idea of the storms that I was, that I endured daily. So they were envious of things that they thought they saw 
of the things that I allowed them to see. But they didn't know my story. They didn't know that I was hurt, that I was wounded, that I was struggling, that I felt unworthy, that I felt unloved. They had no idea of the torment that I faced on some days. Even in my marriage, you know, they had no idea of the things that I endured during the course of that time. But I thank God that he allowed me to get through those things as difficult as they were, as tragic as some of those experiences were for me. After leaving my ex, I was talking to someone who ultimately went on to be one of my best friends. He, I don't believe, had any idea of the role that he actually played in my life. He doesn't know or understand, maybe I should say, that he actually helped me to become a better woman. I mean, obviously by the time um, he and I became friends, I was in a better place mentally. Um, certainly had started to love myself um, and certainly I was a much happier person because I was starting a, a new life a life without a lot of the issues that I had left behind a life that was peaceful Probably pretty much for the first time and oh my gosh, I don't know how long, but a life that had ended up being peaceful. I stuck my key in the lock and ah, there was peace. But the role that he played was in me being a better woman to be, um, to understand, I guess, relationships and really how they work and he helped me to understand what I was willing to accept and not willing to accept he treated me as every woman should be treated 
he listened to me talk and sometimes ramble on because I love to talk. Now that I understand that I have a voice, at one point in life I was extremely shy and if you didn't know I was there or if you didn't see me there, you wouldn't know that I was there because I didn't talk to a lot of people. Um, and then if you asked me a question, I would give you the shortest answer possible because I was just deathly shy. But he taught me how a man should really treat a woman. He would assist me with putting my coat on. He would open the doors for me. He would listen, like I said, to things that I said and pay attention to those things. He didn't just listen, but he actually, he didn't just hear me, maybe I should say, but he actually listened. He paid close attention to those things that I said. I remember once, it was the Valentine's Day after we had just started talking. I guess we had been talking five or six months at the time. But I had um, just mentioned in passing that Brazil nuts were like my favorite nuts in the world. And they still are. And he, um, the next day, um, he called me and said, hey, I want you to, you know, to meet me. I mean, we had already seen each other on Valentine's Day. And, you know, um, but the next day, he said, I want you to meet me. And he told me where he wanted me to. And he says, I have something for you. And I'm like, okay. And so he gave me a box. And in that box, lo and behold, were chocolate Brazil nuts. To some people, that may not have, that may not seem like a lot. But to me, it was everything. Because it wasn't like we had a whole conversation about me and Brazil nuts or me loving Brazil nuts, but we, I just kind of like mentioned it in passing in the getting to know you phase. But he locked that in and he remembered that, you know. He encouraged me in everything that I did. You know, when I, you know, he knew about my blog, he would encourage me with that and the podcast and various other things that I've done or am currently doing, you know, he was encouraging and extremely supportive. And it would even give me like thoughts or topics, you know, which I um, later developed, you know. Um, again, a very good friend and one of my best friends that I ultimately fell in love with, you know, um, because how can you not fall in love with someone who treats you like you've never been treated before? But we're best friends. And I'm grateful for that opportunity. I'm grateful that he helped me to see things 
or experience things or open my eyes to things that I ordinarily would not have. He helped me to begin to think out of the box. I'm grateful because God knows what you need and he puts people in place at the time that you need it. And you take it, you run with it, you appreciate it, you know. I thank God that I'm not that same woman. I thank God that I'm not still that same scared little girl who is afraid of everything, including herself. I thank God that he has made me into the woman that I am today. Do I still have struggles? Absolutely. Do I still screw things up? Absolutely. But I am grateful the woman that I have become and am still becoming. So for all of you who have had a positive impact on my life and who have added to my life in a positive way, I thank you. For those of you who didn't like me based on the person that you thought I was or what you thought you knew about me. Now you know my story. And as you can see, I have some of the same struggles as you have. That's why we should never judge a person based on what we see because we don't know what's going on in the background love you all have a great day if you'd like to know what else i'm up to please check out my blog at gracedevereaux.com and my Instagram account at Grace Devereaux. Devereaux is spelled D-E-V-E-R-A-U-X. Again, it's spelled D-E-V-E-R-A-U-X. My podcast is not only at Anchor and Spotify, but you can find it uploaded at Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Rocket Cast, and Radio Public. Again, thank you so much for tuning in.